Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. You gonna pop in here for a couple minutes? I can say hello to you. Mr. Wanstead. Dave Wanstead. You guys are sick. I'll tell you what. NFL head coach for 11 years. The Bears came in here and Dave Wanstead. There's a happy group of overachievers that have been well coached. College football national champion. A number of legends here tonight. Dave Wanstead. Super Bowl champion. Dave Wanstead. One of my, you know, really idols. Football analyst for NBC Sports Chicago. Shane. Wake up. Spigs is here. Come on, we got to have a look. Yeah, Spigs is here. It's a special occasion. <laughs> Tanny, we got to have another little taste because Spigs is here. Huh? Yeah, that's a good point. A celebration, good. coach. That <laughs> happens once a month. It's five o'clock somewhere. That's a good that's point. Right. Oh, me something tall and strong. Make it a hurricane before I go insane. It's only half past 12, but I don't care. It's five o'clock somewhere. Uh, this is special. What a special day. Dave Wanstead in studio Thursday at 4 o'clock. You actually paid up on your bet. Paid up on my bet. Absolutely. I, I had the, the Chiefs in the over. You had the Eagles in the under. Thank you for the bottle of red, Dave. You really splurged on this $20 <laughs> bottle. Yes, well. Uh, you know. Do you like that wine, Coach? Do you know it? I, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how much thought he put into it. I, I, yeah. I, I opened the closet when I was leaving. Jan texted me, my wife, and says, don't forget, Take the bo- to grab a bottle of wine for uh, Danny. Yeah, and I grabbed one. So, so Jan remembered that you I, lost. I was the reaching bet. for that. And there was a bottle of Justin. I like Justin wine. And <laughs> so you didn't so get you brought one. the wine that you didn't like. Well, I didn't know what it was. I figured you could. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's I'm, awesome. I do. I like Justin myself. Um, that is that is amazing. That's the level of care that you truly deep down have for Danny Parkins. Yeah, well, and for wagering. Oh, yeah, yes. for wagering, really. He didn't like to wager. Pay, pay, pay your debts, yeah. right? Yeah. Pay your debts, absolutely. But pay, I, it, but pay it with the extra bottle of wine that somebody probably gave you for a christening. No, no. She, I, I don't know where, where I got it. She, she probably picked it up somewhere. But uh. well, we'll find a corkscrew, and we'll get into this. But uh, but Shane, what? so how, how was Dave as a, as a sous chef? How, how did he do? Dave was an awesome sous chef. He yeah. was. He he put his apron on. He was he was very theatric about it. He started without the apron on, and then I introduced him, and he went off camera and grabbed an apron. Oh, good man. Yeah, he was great. That's... All right. So what do we got here? What do we got on the plate? All right. So left to right, if I remember correctly, you should have the New York strip. And this is all Second City Prime stuff. You hear me talking about it every day. The, the New York strip, about medium rare on the left side. Um, I think Danny, you have the skirt in the middle. Everyone else has the fillet in the middle, and then the skirt on the right. Mm. Ma'am, it should be like butter. It's the been sitting for a little bit, but it should still be but- tender like butter. The strip is unbelievable. You Delicious. To, you have to leave the meat sit 
when you take it off the grill, you do for as long as it uh, it took to cook. What right. if there's no grill? What if you make it in a pan the well, way Shane does? Same, the cast same, iron. Same idea, right? We, yeah, yeah we, we did the the the, uh, the mm. skirt on the on the grill today. Mm-hmm. Oh man! So so that's what you learned, Dave. You le- you learned that you gotta let the let the meat sit. But my wife always says, "What are you doing? Give me two minutes to finish dinner." I said, "Well, I took it off. You know, take it off the grill and I start eating." I mean. Shane, I don't, mm. I don't know what you crusted the filet with, but it's killer. It, wow. I do uh, a very, very coarse ground pepper in like a mortar and pestle, so mm. it's a little bit inconsistent. So yeah. you're getting some bigger peppercorns and then some smaller ones. Yeah, that's uh, that's phenomenal. I'm Mitch not is a big loving f- this segment, by the way. Mitch Everyone loves eat. when we eat on air. Well, yeah, I mean, good. we do it for him. I think he left though. I think we're good. Yeah, he, he did. He's driving home and he's hearing us chew and he's thinking of a steak. And, yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, and the listeners are probably thinking of steak too. Mm-hmm. And. Um, <laughs> Yeah, steak, popular uh, popular item in NFL circles. NFL guys like steak, Dave. <laughs> oh, wow, good one. <laughs> smooth. We're going to open that bottle of red wine. Yeah, yeah. I, have to, I have to get the key. I forgot to get the key. Okay. I will get it. But then you you also have a mashed potato there, a little bit of confit garlic, um, some, some Kerrygold mm. butter, salt and pepper. A little chunk is still in the mashed potato. Yeah, so funny story. You can see the video. There is no uh, potato masher in there, so we had to improm- improvise. Well, I, I like it chunky. I yeah. like it, okay. so I'm good with it. Good. Mm. Yeah, Dave, don't tell them what we use to mash those potatoes. I have to wait and see the video. <laughs> a shoe? You have to wait and see the video. <laughs> okay. Wow, this is phenomenal. What a treat. Coach, we've been talking about doing this a long time, cooking you know, with you in you there. You know what? I, I told Shane, I'm serious, once a month uh, – Mitch should bring Shane in and have him cook for the uh, for the whole crew. You know, all kind of you go breakfast, lunch, and dinner, Shane. You know, <laughs> oh good, yeah, <laughs> the whole crew, yeah, yeah, three meals, problem? twenty twenty five people, sweet, yeah, is that, is that yeah, issue? for everybody at the station. Yeah, wow, you're throwing Shane around like you own well, the place. He, he, you know, he it, does. He, he would do an outstanding. He would do an outstanding job. Yeah, I'd probably would. come by for all three meals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we believe you, but you're normally it's amazing. Uh, you're just like housing that down over there. You normally mm. are a medium well to well done steak guy with ketchup, and mm. you're just eating this beautiful medium rare beef. Mm-hmm. No, no problems. Are you gonna Are you gonna consider changing your order at the restaurant? No, no. But I'll tell you what. If Shane was cooking, I would consider it. If that's not a testament to Second City Prime and the quality of their beef mm. that yeah. Dave wants, that is willing to eat it medium rare and rare on the fillet, well, well, yeah. Then well, I don't know what else is. Well, let me tell you this, Second City. I don't even have a knife. Okay. You don't I need am, a knife. Don't need a knife. I mean, I'm. It, this stuff is so tender, outstanding. Mm. Great. All right, this is fantastic. I'll go get that wine key. Yeah, let's get the wine key. Would be good. Oh my uh, god. Um. All right. So should I monologue or how, how close? Are no, we I'm to, here. You're you're here. Yeah, I'm good. Here? I'm good. Yeah, it's amazing. I just wanted to try that third cut right there. It's all phenomenal, and uh, the rest the rest can wait. Coach, it, it's it's quite a privilege for us. To have you as a colleague and, dare I say, a friend, um, being who you are and where you've coached and everything you've done in your life, the Bears coach, the Dolphins head coach, um, won a Super Bowl with Jimmy Johnson and the Cowboys, and everything. People know Miami, Oklahoma State, everything in between. A, a tackle at Pitt as a player, blocking for Tony Dorsett, all this stuff. But to have you in an apron. And, you know, well, in here in an apron. Danny, right, this is a next level. This is like a different kind of kind of thing i i don't know if uh ditka ever wore an apron on a radio show but because I, I think you might be leveling up in the history well, of bears coaches. Let, let me say this uh, when i first started golfing i was reading phil mickelson as a left-handed golfer yeah right yeah, he sure is big guy lefty. tall yeah, guy lefty. i'm a 
tall. I'm lefty. Uh-huh. Height, same like Phil. And he was talking about don't get frustrated when you first start. Uh, dress appropriately. No golf etiquette. And you can go out there and get through a round of golf with anybody. Hmm. So I've always remembered that. You know, I'm a bogey golfer. You dress the right way. Sure. You, you, you don't step on anybody's, you know, line of putting and all those things. You know, yep. you know it'd be quiet when other people are uh, are up, up there putting and so forth. And uh, uh, I think it's good advice. So today when I came in here. Yeah. I thought you got to dress right. If I dress right and, <laughs> yeah. don't, and don't say anything too dumb about change cooking, uh-huh. that I can pull this thing off. So that's why I got the apron on. Dress the part, be the part. Yeah. I understand. It makes, makes yeah. all the sense of the world, Coach. Speaking of golf, mm-hmm. oh boy, um, Ryan Poles mm-hmm. and Matt Eberflus, it turns out today, have a little putt-putt setup as well as a darts setup. In their suite in Indianapolis. Uh, as we they- decided on darts and, and putt-putt. Darts. Darts and putt-putt. Okay. As they interview players at the NFL Combine, they're starting off by having the player th- throw a couple of darts or maybe make a couple of putts with one of the assistant coaches who happened to be there just so they could, like, loosen them up, have a little fun, maybe get a sense of how competitive they are for a split second. And then they eventually start going through film and talking to them because they realize they get them into their comfort zone talking football. As a tool for a 15-minute interview with the 45 people you're allowed to do, what do you think of that as a tool to try and really get to know somebody you only got 15 to 18 minutes with? Well, everybody does these interviews a little differently from the standpoint of some guys, it's all interview questions. Uh, And I've done everything that I'm going to – Reference here. Right. You've been uh, in a ton of a ton of rooms at the combine doing exactly this. 18 years worth. Okay. Some guys like to get the player on the board. They want to see him draw circles. They want to see him, you know, actually draw up a running play, draw up a blitz. Some people, which I kind of like the best, uh, we would pull out four or five players plays of a player that we were going to interview. Because you find you find out a list and you know who you're going to talk to. And I would, I'd say, give me three or four bad plays and three or four really good plays of this individual. And then I would put it on there, and I would want him explaining to me what the defense was or what the offense was and why he did something really good what happened or, wh- or why, obviously, he did something bad. I, I kind of like that part of it, hmm. uh, it, it more, more than the other stuff. And the other stuff is all important. And, and like I say, everybody's got a different niche now. Putting and and so forth to get him relaxed. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, yeah. you know, but you're on the clock. I mean, they are legitimately blowing the horn standing in the hallway. So the minute that your time is up and they blow that horn, the door's opening and the kid's moving. Right. So you don't want to waste too much time with it. Exactly. Yeah. It, and they said that they did that. They they put plays up on the on the screen mm-hmm. and they wanted him to see how much they understood the game, could teach the game. But they was also saying that it was like you don't want it to be an interrogation because it's not – it matters, but it's just like one small piece of this whole thing, right? I mean, it's a 15, 18-minute interview. How big of – did you ever like say we're drafting someone because of those 18 minutes or we're not – maybe more likely we're not drafting someone? Hmm. I, I, I didn't know as much as I should have about J.J. Watt. And I remember when we brought him in, I was at Tampa, and we interviewed him, and I was sitting there, and when he walked out – 
you just had that feeling like everybody kind of looked at each other and said, wow, you know, this guy, uh, uh, this guy gets it. Mature, smart, you know, uh, besides his physical presence and everything. So that, That's interesting. And, yeah, and, so, and, and, and we had some guys with the other way, too. You know, it, you don't have to get specific, but tell us about those guys where you went the other way, because I think that's well, blame somebody. Okay, we put the film up there, and a guy gets beat on a touchdown, and say, you know, well, what happened on this here? You had coverage. You were supposed to be in the deep middle of the third. Well, I, I, I was, I was, but the the linebacker gave me the call late. You know, so the coach got the call in late. You know, blame the coach, blame a teammate. That we've, I've had that happen before. Um, you know, when describing that. Or you just say, draw me up your favorite defense or your favorite offensive running play or pass play. And the guy gets up the board and he draws the center. This used to drive Tony Tony Wise crazy. <laughs> he draws the center, you know, the, you know the, the size of a half a dollar. Then he draws the right guard the size of a dime next to him. You know, he, he, and he can't draw the circles and everything. It, it just... It's a little thing, but things like that. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got, I got, I got some follow-up questions here. <laughs> so you're saying I, that I, there were players who you wanted them to draw it up on the whiteboard, the formation, and if they couldn't draw circles to Tony Wise's level of satisfaction, well, he, it was a problem. It was a he problem. Didn't, he didn't like how well, he handled you, geometry. It's called just being organized and being articulate, what you're doing. You know what I mean? And just the, the yeah. little things. I mean, uh, so things like that to me, kind of uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, just, just how are they with triangles? <laughs> we, we didn't do triangles. How about a rhombus? You, you, you didn't do triangles. Okay, all right. Well, so let's... And, and then the other one was who? Who? I always loved asking this one. You know, who was the best player you played against? And and most of these guys would come up with somebody, and I would always turn to my scouts and say, "Are we talking to that guy?" Mm. Yeah, you know, because it was amazing. We we actually fell into a couple guys that we signed, not high draft picks. Because so you know, a player X said, "Hey, boy, the best guy I played against was this defensive lineman at Michigan State. Oh, you know, you, yeah. you better go look him up. You know, yeah. What? So you're yeah, getting information from them at the same mm-hmm. time. Exactly. So you obviously have been a part of some programs, uh, both in the college level and the pros. I'm thinking of the U. I'm thinking of the Cowboys in the '90s that will say did not exactly shy away from the character issue guy." Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a that's a broad term. Did you guys see Sports Illustrated just came out with the uh, most hated teams? Did you see that? I did not. How no. proud are you about of what you're about to say? That '86 Miami team, number one. No. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> I will drink to your '86 Miami team. Yeah, I was I was incredible. I was 16 and in high school and watching that team. And hating but admiring you at the same time. So I'll yeah. drink to that. Number one. Good for you, Dave. <laughs> um, all right. So, but, but the question is going to be uh, Jalen Carter. Right. And this particular incident. Well, I, I do like that he's back down there. Okay. He went back to the combine today. Yeah. I haven't seen him, but the word is that he's down there physically again. Uh, two things have to happen in my mind. Number one. What is the legal – where's the whole thing at from a legal criminal standpoint with what – I guess it would be Atlanta or Georgia, where, you know, wherever it happened. Mm-hmm. Because those things can go forever, and if they're seeing it one way differently than him, you know, that could be a major issue. So you you got to know the exact facts from a, a real – is there anything criminal or not? And then the second thing that I would look to 
you better make darn sure that there's not a history here. You know, everybody makes mistakes. So let's say he was driving the other car and they were racing. He had nothing to do with the other car, you know, technically uh, wrecking and, and the tragedy would happen. Uh, and it's the first time that, that this something like this has ever happened. We all make mistakes like that. Um, but if there's a history there, you know, uh-huh. this, he, he's been, you know, arrested two or three times or whatever, and, and you start looking back at this thing, then that would put up another red flag for me. Let's go a little deeper on this particular incident and this particular guy, because obviously he's important, but we have some details according to the police report. There's the recklessness and the stupidity and the life endangerment of racing and stuff like that. And that's, I think you could chalk that up to, you know, young, young guy, stupid mistake, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But then what appears to be, if the police report is correct, an hour and a half later goes back to the scene because he's called back to the scene. And he lies three mm-hmm. different times. He lies about what his role was, where he was, et cetera. And then over the next few weeks, there's funerals, there's weeping, there's all emotions within his own program, and he never be, makes himself accountable, never shows up to admit any wrongdoing until he's forced to by the police. Does that character shown in the last six weeks affect your draft calculus when you're thinking about a guy you're investing in for the future? Not as much uh, as the first two issues I talked about. If there's a history of this, I mean, I could see where this guy would be scared to death. You know, the first thing he did after this incident, I'm sure it's called his agent or somebody in the agent said, don't you, you know, you, don't you say a word, you know, you know, you know what I mean? Just, yep. and, and, and so I could see how, uh, that, that, his response to this thing could could go sideways just out of fear, not wanting to, you know, uh, screw things up, you sure. know, from a football standpoint and a draft and a criminal standpoint or whatever's involved here. So I could see how that would happen. Is it right? No. You know, it's not right. But uh, um, I, I could see how a guy would get scared to death and, uh, and just try to stay away from it or hide from it all. Well, I, I appreciate that perspective. And, Danny, you and I have been talking about it the last couple of days. That's that's NFL <clears throat> calculus right there. That's NFL draft calculus. It's and how it works. Yeah. And, and now, the first I, I mean, thing I, disagree, said, I disagree. Like, if I were the guy in charge, but I am not the guy in charge. Right. And and the the first thing that they've said is we got to see what the legal process weighs out. I mean, if, he, if he's charged with something now. Yeah, if he's going to trial and we don't know how this thing's going to turn out at the end, you, you can't draft a guy like that high. You well, know, right, you, so that's that's the thing, right? The, the range right now is he maybe falls a spot or two and is still a top five pick or you can't draft him. Yeah. Right? I, right? It's, I, it's a very wide range based on where we are right yeah, now. Yeah, and, you know, and I would say, I could put it into a category. If I was convinced that it was a one-time incident and he may have some Court hearings coming up, you know, a month from now. But he's he's a good kid, and this has never happened before. I would see myself, you know, just like I've always I've drafted and signed some players. Wally Agunlier, okay, different scenario, but he was hurt. He had a blown out knee. He was on crutches, mm-hmm. and I just knew that this kid had a lot of talent. I liked his character, so we signed him as a free agent and gave him money. And all he did was he come he came in to sign his contract on crutches, uh, but but so we kind of bet on you know that that this thing would come around, and I could see character wise if if there is some some uh, possibilities of some dry you know long and uh, criminal stuff going on or right. whatever. How, how about this? What if there's personal civil suits that he's going to have to deal with, like the the mess of it, the drama of it. 
the distraction of it for the next couple of years, in addition to whatever legal that, stuff. That could be a little bit, but that wouldn't. Uh, Just a little, though. Yeah, not not as much. I okay. mean, you know, look at Deshaun Watson, right? The guy at Cleveland. I mean, he had ten suits when they made, you know, against him when they made that trade, you know, or whatever. That is yeah. not that has not gone well. No, so far it no. is not. It has not gone well so far publicly and yeah. nor nor on the field necessarily. Short, small sample. Yeah, it could be. Right. A, it could be a distraction. There's no question. You know, but down the road to get a talent like this. If there's not anything real, real serious going on, it's 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 worth a chance. Okay, it's uh, it's a hell of a spot for Ryan Poles and the Bears to be. There was a survey that the NFL Players Association did. They talked to 1,300 players about a bunch of things for different teams in the NFL. We've got the grades on where the Bears were uh, comparatively to other teams. We want to talk about these things with Dave Wanstead coming up as. Uh, Oh, it's a clean plate over there, Dave. Well, yeah, it's a clean plate, and I got my notes here. I talked to the guy that his father, uh, 44 years ago, put together the blue, red, gold. The, yes. The, the numbers. Really? Coach, I'm uh, way – while you guys were driving in or having lunch, I was – look at this right look here. Look at that. Oh, my God. All right, we're going to get Dave. That's a full and, eight and, and a half and, by 11 And, and I was, I was wrong. I, I texted Shane and said, college guys are, are – categorized by numbers uh, we're gonna get to it uh, you get the whole thing we're gonna do the whole color-coded system well yeah, i'm gonna yeah i'm not gonna confuse you but i'll give you some of the uh the ground Come on, rules. and he oh, does yeah. this oh, and yeah. he's a great sous chef in an apron i, I mean i got stuff here that's uh, top secret top secret information <laughs> with dave wants that next on the score blue and red gold orange gray Dave Wanstead. And I'm always available unless I'm doing something. Uh... With Parkins and Spiegel on 670 The Score. You, know, you got different colors that we use, blue players at the top, and how many do you have? How many are comfortable? Or are you comfortable going down to the reds? Um, so we should get some really good information this week to make us feel better about that so we know what that looks like. What are your colors? Uh, so it's just it's blue and red, gold, orange, um, and then uh, gray. Unbelievable stuff here with Dave Wanstead. The, sh- the steaks. Everybody finished the steak. Oh yes, uh, outrageous. Oh, yes, I didn't even want to eat all the mashed. Wow, that thing was. But it, it was too good not to. I don't know. Was it the chef or was it the steak? Uh huh. You know, the answer is probably yes. a little bit of both. A little Dave. bit of both. I would, I would agree. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it was the sous chef. You myself. saw, yeah. you, you, you saw the, the perfect cook on that without any thermometer whatsoever. I, I just did. The feel. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So mine would be. I, I, oh yeah, the I, I think with, I like my steak uh, ring finger. Yeah. Okay. I think. Uh, there, okay. That's- when you see the video, this will make sense. We taught Dave how to measure what the temperature of the steak is just by using the palm of your hand. This is this is raw right here. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. This is well done. This is okay. Dynamite Radio, Dave. Okay. <laughs> the ring, this Super Bowl finger the right Super here. Super Bowl ring finger. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. wonder that's yeah. the that yeah. is well done, Spakes. Oh, wow, well yeah. done, my there friend. There you go. All right, so you talked, you talked to the guy. That was well done. Because you know everybody. We were having fun with Ryan Poles and the color-coded system of the blue and the red and the orange and whatever. And so you... The, the color-coded system for ranking players. And so you're like, these jamokes don't know anything. They're just making fun of things because that's what they do. Right. I actually know the guy who came up with the color-coded system. Yep. So you called him, and uh, you're going to give us the full report on the history of the color-coded grading system from Mr. Mike Giddings. Mike Giddings, his father started, and he worked with us when we were at the Cowboys. I got to know him. Uh, and then, obviously, the Bears and the Dolphins. Uh, he... Uh, 
he started this about 44 years ago. His son now, Mike Jr., is is with is part of our team at the 33rd team. So I called him, got the information. He sent me something. We talked about it. And a couple of just important points. And it's all graded on uh, year to year. So a guy could be uh, – three years ago, the guy could have been an all-pro player. He would be a blue. That's the top of the line. Red, obviously, is second. But that this year, they grade it by how you performed currently this year. So, so th- those are he does this for NFL guys. Yep. But he also does it for college and, and, draft eligible guys. And that's that when I heard the show, I texted Shane and said they don't do color codes for college guys. Gids corrected me on that. Mike Giddings. He said they started in 1999. Let me give an example. Uh, we, him and I were talking. I said, let's just talk running backs. How you, how you coming up with this color grade? We'll call it. There's, you know, for a running back. And he said, well, let's just. He says, there's a list of things that we have put together from talking to general managers all over the country, all over the NFL, and head coaches all over the NFL. What are the? He says, generally, it's about eight factors that are the most eight to nine, ten. He said factors that are most important to have that this player must have attributes for a running back. Exactly. Like hands, vision, yards after contact, uh, receiving. Okay. Blocking. Can he make people miss in the open field? Speed His character. Is he coachable? And so with each one of these attributes, as you said, they will give him a color code. So let's say that the guy is a heck of a running back. Uh, he can make guys miss. He's got great vision. He would get a blue in that category, okay? Then you go to the next one, his hands. He can't catch. Oh, boy, now we're going to move him. It goes, you know, blue, red, purple, gray. Let's give him a gray. He he's not, doesn't have very good hands. But you but you could have a blue for uh, explosiveness or whatever, yes. and you could have a gray for hands because it, it's for each individual attribute as well. Exactly. And, and then the, at the end, you get an overall color There gray. you go, Danny. You got it. So that at the end. It's like a Madden player rating yeah, almost. Yeah, then, okay. then Giddings just sits there and, and, and just – computes it, you know, and averages it out, and this is what type of player this is. But but so then they start doing these same things for college kids. So college guys now are are, are being evaluated with the Giddings, the, the his rating, the uh-huh. color code rating, the same way the NFL guys are. Now, here's a couple interesting stats. The average now he he went back and sent me some stuff on the last 10 years. Okay, last ten years of Super Bowl teams. Okay, before you before you okay. do that, just for a split second, Danny, just to help make it more relatable, I think you're right. Madden rating. If you're an older guy, your Tecmo football rating, whatever. Like you see the the multitude of things come up. It also sounds a lot, frankly, like Carmine, which Theo and his guys invented in Boston, or Ivy, like they used here, where there's a whole bunch of different factors, and character is one of them. It's just one of them. But the human factor is very much in there as, as in addition they grade to that as well. Yep. In addition to the stats and analyzing the tape and everything, the human factor is in there. All right, coach, go ahead. Well, so this well is- two things that he that jumped at me the last 10 years, only one time the quarterback who was in the Super Bowl was not a blue player. And, that, and I wrote that down. That was Peyton Manning in 2015 when he was at Denver. Okay. And they won a Super Bowl. He played. His, now, keep in mind, you know, Peyton Manning's one of the greatest. So everyone's saying, Wanstead's out of his mind. No, no, he keep, wasn't good that year. That, you know, he played as, they had him as a red 
player that year. He basically had the 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 neck. He had no arm strength. Thank you. you he, know he, he could get the ball out quick. He was accurate. There but he did go. not have deep playability. So, I remember so, that. But, but, but he, he's yesterday. the I only. Lost money on that he's the only quarterback. <laughs> you you owe me where everything you, comes together. You owe me. Does he owe me? What do you owe me on that? Do we bet on that one? On the 2015 Super Bowl? No, we we didn't bet on that. You can have the rest of this twenty dollar bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can have six dollars of wine right there. Please come on. So we. Oh, he lost my train of code. Oh, so Peyton uh, Manning. Well, what so, about, what so, about Nick so, Foles? So, so, he, so here's the one because I, I said, okay, Matthew Stafford. Uh, you know, he was a good player, but was he a blue player? You yeah, know? or Nick Foles to Danny's example. Well, but as, they, as they, no, that- no, no. Guess who? I I looked for Foles, and they did not have. Foles as a starting quarterback. They had Carson Wentz. So they graded Wentz's 13 games. Yes, and Wentz in his 13 games awesome. graded out awesome, correct, and he was a blue. So the the point is that uh, there's only been one quarterback, but it all comes down to how is the guy performing this year. Another interesting stat, the average number of blue players on a Super Bowl team the last 10 years is 13. Oh, wow. 13 blue players. Okay, so, so now that's interesting. So yeah, how, how many blue players do we think were on the Bears this year? Oh, God. Zero? Well, hey, let me just finish my stats, and we'll come back to this. Okay. In, the, la- in, in, the, la- in the last 10 years, okay, 12 rookies, okay, have started. Okay, only 4% of rookies have ever started a Super Bowl. Okay, Pacheco was the guy this year. Okay, because they look at, okay, how many rookies are starting on Super Bowl teams? Yeah. Over the last 10 years, it comes out to 4% of the starters, which is like one, you know, or, or how many did I say? 12 total. Yeah. 12 yeah. total over over uh, 10 years. Here's another interesting stat. There has never, and he emphasized, there's never been in the last 10 years a starting left tackle. Everybody says, we got to get the left tackle. We got to get, or you know, there has not been a blue-rated starting left tackle in the Super Bowl in the last 10 years. See, that, uh, just pause there for a second. That's fascinating. It is. It is. I mean, it's, so, so there hasn't been a truly elite top-of-the-line left tackle in the Super Bowl in the last 10 years. That started in the Super Bowl or that won the Super Bowl? That, that, won, that, that went to the Super Bowl and won it. When, and, when and won it, won. yeah. Okay. Like, and, and I asked him about uh, Brown this year. Was it Orlando Brown? Yeah. You know, for the Kansas City Chiefs, I says, what about – and he says the two tackles that they graded him this year, Wiley was the one – and Wiley graded out as a purple, and Orlando Brown graded out as a gray this year. Gray he, was the afterthought. He, he said the guy they, the guys didn't have great years. Now, are you going to bet against Orlando Brown being a blue player? You know, he's been a blue for X amount of years, but, but they're going just on how you're performing this year. Interesting. So I think from the Bears' perspective, they've got to obviously add a lot of blue players. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait. Yeah. The quarterback's got to be playing at blue level. Okay, at mm-hmm. the end of the year, you got to say that we have a blue-rated quarterback, and um, uh, oh, oh and, the, and the other thing too that jumped out, he says on defense, he says let's move the defense, without a doubt, defensive ends. Okay, he said eighty-five percent of the starting defensive ends that have played in the last ten years started have been blue players. Wow, there you and go. And the and the other position, which is actually a little higher than that, eighty-eight, is corners. Yep. So corners in the position where there's been some average guys, and I would say average, but gray guys, purple guys, is linebacker. You know, linebacker <laughs> guys have not been rated as the top players, you know, the blue players on Super Bowl teams. Hence, you don't value them as much like Ryan Poles doesn't, clearly. But, but it has been pass rushers, and it has been 
corner. I got to say that actually, that's fascinating stuff. Great research by Dave Wanstead into the color system that Ryan Poles referenced earlier this week. Um, I got to say, you know, we've seen a number of left tackles, hell, Charles Leno and Braxton Jones among them, who are not clearly not blue players, but have kind of gotten the job done. You know, gotten the job done as because the scheme might get the ball out fast or they might have chip help or max protect or whatever. So having that difference maker at the end as opposed to left tackle based on that research on the small sample makes a lot of sense to me. He says you got to if you're if you're really going to be a he will guarantee he used to work. He says uh, statistics work. I, I guarantee you, he said, if you fulfill six of your eight top needs with blue players, you are going to be in the playoffs. He says that's the statistics. Teams that had, you know, and everybody has needs, but teams that can fulfill six of the eight. Uh, and, you know, hey, you know the other position too, because I think this is interesting for Bears fans. Where do I have it right here? Oh, the biggest position uh, that teams have added red and blue players to Super Bowl teams has been wide receiver. So, you know, the majority of their player, what, what I'm trying to say there is, you know, most of the guys were draft picks, okay? But the one position that was about 50-50, whether they were drafted or they signed from the outside and still went to the Super Bowl, it was wide receiver. That's the position that seems to have as much movement and guys are signing. And, and obviously this year it was uh, – uh, A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, you know, was the guy this year. And for Kansas City, it was Schuster, right? I mean, Schuster was a— They added him. They added him, and uh, and then who was the they, other guy? I mean, they added Kadarius Toney. They yeah, added Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They, they added all of them. Exactly. They added all of them. Yeah, three guys were added. There, there you go. That's yeah. that's the point there. So I guess if we're looking at that and we say, boy, you know, that's, that's the way teams have gone, signing that veteran wide receiver— you know that might be it might be worth it's worth talking about and looking at. No, yeah, absolutely. It strikes me, Danny, that this kind of scouting shorthand to have as a categorizing system is like Pro Football Focus before Pro Football Focus, um, and probably now still in place of Pro Football Focus because it also includes the human factors and soft factors and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it's great. It, it 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 all makes sense, and there's just a system of uniformity so that these guys can all like take a system and understand it and, and put it together. So I wonder if the bears had a single blue player. Like you said, Jalen Johnson, that would be the first one that would come to mind for me too. But Ryan Poles talked about blue players as being such a rare thing. Yeah. Maybe not in the draft that, you know what I mean? That maybe there's seven guys like that are like really like that top crop. It's like when you talk about aces of a pitching staff, it's not just your number one. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's well, a what, small, did I, what did I tell you that the, the average number on Super Bowl teams? You said, you said 13, 13, <laughs> So, so I, I, I honestly like so like, so like if you were going to say if you were being generous with it, you could say Jalen Johnson and Roquan, but he wasn't on the team. He's not on the team yeah. anymore. Yeah, I mean, no defensive line. Eddie either. Jackson went healthy. Cole Komet. Well, see, see really Eddie there. Jackson. Let's talk him for a second because Eddie Jackson, what two or three years ago, whatever it was, that would have been a blue player. Twenty eighteen, yeah, exactly. Of he would have been a blue player. This year, now he was better this year, but last year he might have been. And this is where, and I sat in these meetings with Gids, as I call him, and his dad back in the day. And I would say, no, he's, you know, Ricky Williams is a blue. And he would say, coach, Ricky Williams didn't play as a blue this year. All we care about is the tape that we're watching. You want but, the most recent evaluation. Yes, it doesn't matter what you did three years ago. What do you do last year? Because that's the most likely thing of what you're going to do next year. So when the Bears are looking at signing a offensive lineman, 
they want to know how did the guy play last year. You know, and it's uh, it's just another way of it's another way of, of having a conversation and, and taking a closer look. You're the goods. Uh, you around next week? Or are you doing something? You know what? Uh, I'm not sure what I'm doing next week. All right. Well, we'll keep it open for you. For Thursday at 4 o'clock, Dave wants that. He, hey. cr- he crushed the wine. He crushed the steak. He crushed keep, the color-coded system. Keep the apron. It's for you. It's a, it's a, it's a good apron. Uh, Speaks is 20th favorite baseball player of the last 30 years in Chicago, ahead of a Mark Grody Bears report from the Combine at 5. Parkinson Spiegel on the score. He's got a chance. Go! We're counting down the days to opening day. Happy opening day. By celebrating some of Chicago baseball's all-time greats. There go number 400 for Big Frank can Put it on the board. Yes! Here comes the hook. Got it! 20 strikeouts! It's Matt Spiegel's top 30 favorite Chicago baseball players of the last 30 years. Matt Spiegel is one of the great baseball people, and not only in this town, but across the country. From Abreu. Sox win! Sox win! On a grand slam by Jose Abreu. To Big Z. Carlos Abrado has no hit! The Houston Astros! Matt Spiegel counts us down to opening day. Wow, is that huge! Matt Spiegel's 30 players for 30 years. That's how you do it. On the Parkins and Spiegel Show on 670 The Score. Every day around this time, Speaks has been here for going on 31 baseball seasons. So we're doing 30 favorite players. He's got a proprietary system of the past 30 years. Chicago baseball players. Alfonso Soriano was 30. Ray Durham, 29, Carlos Lee, 28, 27, Ryan Sandberg, 26, Maglio Ordonez, 25, Kyle Schwarber, Carlos Zambrano came in at number 24, Blackjack McDowell, number 23, Ryan Dempster, number 22, yesterday, Tim Anderson at 21, today, number 20. It's Now, this guy's a blue player. Oh, sorry, one is gone. Um, number 20, another White Sox shortstop, Alexei Ramirez. Danny, there's something special about a super smooth, graceful shortstop. You know it's the hardest position to play on the field. And if you can show that pervasive calm, control, and excellence there, it leaves a mark. Sometimes a guy is so lanky and long, it looks like ballet, too. As I let my mind wander this morning, Mark Belanger, Dave Concepcion, Tony Fernandez, maybe Andrelton Simmons in his prime, and give me Alexei Ramirez. He might have had the best arm of any of them as well. He didn't start it short. Because Orlando Cabrera was the guy for the 2008 White Sox when Alexei showed up at age 26. So he told Ozzie Gann he'd play center field. He was really good there. Really good at second base when Juan Uribe got hurt. Ramirez, great in both spots. And also hit 290 as a rookie with 21 homers, 13 stolen bases, 77 RBI. Finished second in Rookie of the Year voting to Evan Longoria that year. And the whole year... He had a knack for grand slams, hit three of them through the first 161 games. Then came game 162, a makeup game with Detroit the day after the season as the Sox were hunting for the playoffs. Bases loaded for Ramirez, and here's the pitch from Glover. Swing it along, one left. Tagged it back. Turn on a fireworks. He's hit another slam. Sox lead 6-2. Oh, my God, he goes deep again. His fourth grand slam in one year. He got a first ball fastball and drilled it out of the ballpark. The first hit of the inning is the biggest hit of the inning. 
That forced game 163, the one-game playoff with Minnesota, the blackout game, and the completion of a crazy three-day odyssey against three different teams to make the postseason. Tanny, Shane, was that fun? White Sox men? Yeah, that's about as fun yeah. as a three-day stretch for a ball club that you can have. And I was I was there. You weren't down there. I was <laughs> at game 162. And that's about as electric as it's been in that ballpark post-World Series run. And it was a really odd, fun game. I don't want to get too much into it. But Freddie Garcia started that game for the Tigers. And he was at the back end of his career, obviously. But he was dealing that day. And somehow just randomly he comes out of the game when he could have gone another inning or two and everyone suspected that there was like the family connection with Ozzie Guillen. Wow. And that's why he left the game. And then a couple batters later, a few batters later, Alexei hits that slam. Hell of a rookie year for Alexei Ramirez. Looking at the stats overall, there was always consistent power and speed. He never went 20-20 in a season, but he had double-digit steals seven times, double-digit home runs six times. I'll always think of him about the defense, smooth and absurdly reliable he should have won multiple gold gloves. For sure in 2010, he got robbed by Derek Jeter. There ought to be a club for shortstops robbed of gold gloves by Derek Jeter. Where's their gift basket? Mm -hmm. Oh, look at the play. Yes, a beauty by Alexei and Carlos. Marcy, rock them up. <laughs> the security that a truly great shortstop brings to a pitcher and a team is a big soft factor for me, just like a confidence factor. Listen to Hawk calling the last out of Mark Burley's perfect game because the last out is not in question at all when he sees who the ball is hit to. Alexei! Yes! 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 History! So, Alexei on defense, Alexei on offense, but zoom out and examine the White Sox-Cuban connection, and you see the role he played. Jose Contreras was his buddy who told him the Sox would be a welcoming fit, but he also knew about the history of Minnie Minoso and never met him, but would develop a friendship with Minnie once he came to the White Sox, and that helped grease the skids for Jose Abreu, Dion Viciedo, Yoan Moncada, Luis Robert, and many more to come. The Sox have a huge advantage in a serious international market, in part on the strength of Alexei Ramirez. On offense, I give him a 7. Defense, I give him a 10. Vibes, did fans look forward to seeing you? Do they leave liking you? I give him a 9. Teammateship, I'll give him an 8. And memorable moments, postseason feats, milestone games, indelible games, I'll give him an 8 as well. That gets him to a 42 for Alexei Ramirez, number 20 on the list. Awesome moments there. Um, man. His name is very satisfying in those calls. That was a great hawk call, which everybody knows and has been played a thousand times on this uh, radio station. But that home run call, too, for oh, Game yeah, 162, man. that was awesome. I haven't heard that call in a long, long time. No, me neither. Far cool. Farmio and yeah, Stoney when beautiful. they worked together. Yeah, that was that was a real cool trip down memory lane. Flair for the big moment, Alexei Ramirez. Big time. And, and the Cuban Missile, they called him. He loved being called the Cuban Missile. For the speed and the power, thought of himself as a complete player. So much fun to dig into him as it has been for all these guys. Coming up next, Mark Grody on on paper a slower day at the Combine, but he's got a lot of good stuff uh, related to the Bears and big picture stuff for the rest of the NFL. He's doing 5 o'clock reports from Indianapolis every day this week. Moby Ditka next on The Score. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas... Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. 
Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.